Let's go ahead and get it. Who wins the series? How many games? And do the Islanders win the Stanley Cup? Go. I had said before the series started that I felt that the Islanders would win the series in six. I, I don't believe, again, people saying that the Islanders are going to rickroll them in four or five. That, that's kind of a stretch for me, no given sure. how good the Flyers are and how good they've been playing. Um, so I'm going to go – I'm going to stick to that, and I'm going to stick to my Islanders in six prediction, which I made before the series. I just missed out on game one. I said it was going to be three one Islanders. and ended up being four nothing. so I just missed out on my game one prediction. But uh, do they win the Stanley Cup? You know what? If you followed my tweets, I am – Deathly, deathly afraid of Boston. I, I just, I yeah. don't think <laughs> yeah, they're going to match up the Islanders. I am, no, they're not. I wanted to avoid round one. We did. I wanted to avoid it in round two. We did. I don't think we're going to be so lucky if we get to round three because <laughs> I think they're going to be there waiting. Um, and that, and that's not to write Tampa off by any means, but I, I just really believe that they're they're that good top to bottom. But I guess my yeah. last question for you is. Uh, are you sticking with your Flyers in seven prediction? Are you changing it? I have Islanders in six. Me and Andy are going to be hand-in-hand hand on that one. But what, I am what, not feeling confident going to uh, game two. I don't feel confident. All right. I, I'm, I, there's, it, once, once the pick is out there, you, there is no pulling it back. I love it's it. True. The man of integrity right there. First goal tomorrow is huge. Whoever scores first tomorrow, that's a huge goal. Agreed. Completely agree. Unless it's the Flyers. I, the Islanders will probably still pop four and we'll be fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. You're right. <laughs> Flyers in five. All right. Today's August 26th, and Gary and I are the worst people, worst young people at the internet ever. Well, to be fair, I don't know if it was so much an internet issue. It's more or less that you completely forgot to charge a battery. I didn't forget. There was a lot of technical difficulties. So let's bring it back a little bit. So we released this promo video, pretty good promo video for throwing it together that day. Great um, promo video. Just totally just lambasted Gary, just threw him off the bandwagon. Um, if you didn't know, Gary is an Islanders fan. Uh, I am obviously a Flyers fan for the, for the last three weeks. Uh, we decided to do a Twitch Twitch stream of, of game one, and uh, someone forgot to charge the battery. Yeah, hand up. That's on Kyle. Yes. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead and kind of toot my own horn here. The Twitch stream just wouldn't have happened if I didn't suggest maybe we should just use a PC for yes. the software. Yes. So, so there right now, Twitch and doing like web stream Canon cameras, use a PC. Don't use – Yeah. We were sitting there for about an hour and a half. It was coming down to crunch time. And uh, Gary was like, hey, let's just do a PC. Worked, worked, Kyle, Kyle never went and got his remute, so he couldn't have a martini. It wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, let's um, that. So, uh, for nothing. Yeah, so that game, there's a lot to take away from that game. Obviously, I'm going to try and be as level-headed as I can here because obviously I'm excited because my team won and we are leading the series. Um, the Flyers didn't play well. The Islanders played well but could have played better, which, you know, sounds like – you know, See, this is what you're doing. I know what you're doing. No, no, no. I'm not doing anything. I'm saying the Islanders – and that second period is a concerning period. I mean, the Flyers were all over them. They peppered. And the goalie, the goalie stood on his head. Now, I, I, I stand by the fact that the Andy Green goal in the first was a little cheap. I don't think that was a good goal. I think he let that one up. I think he should have saved that. Right. Carter Hart made a ton of great saves. Mm -hmm. and But he got beat – I mean, 
I mean, Anders Lee got behind me, got beat. They pulled the goalie with seven minutes, and that closed out a game. That was weird. The, Fly- the Flyers didn't play well, but the goalie was so good. I know he let up four goals. He really let up three. He- but the goalie was so good. This game, this series, I'm sorry, is a long way from over. It Flyers feels good five. to have one now. Well, I mean, that's that would be impressive. It Flyers, really would. Flyers in five. You got to You got to stay. You, you got to stay optimistic. Um, quick, uh, quick notes from a pink hat. Um, great shots on goal. Need more goals. Mm-hmm. Um, icing. You got to score more than zero to win. It's true. Icing is subjective. You also yes. Um, maybe more dives. There wasn't a lot of power plays. I, I know we weren't too good in the power play, but we were ramping up a little bit more. Uh, that many power plays for the Flyers, I mean. So uh, No, actually there weren't that many penalties in general in that last game. Clean game. No, it was a lot of 5-on-5, and I think I told you. I mean, you said the Flyers will beat you 5-on-5, and I told you, CC, the Islanders. The Islanders are very good. This is a very good matchup. This game, the, the score doesn't reflect how good the teams are. This is going to be a very good series. And that's why I mean, I trust me. All I want to sit here and say is, oh, the Islanders are going to sweep them. The Flyers stink. Paul Holmgren still employed. Um, I'm not going to say any of that. What I'm saying is, you know, the Flyers have a very good coach. The Islanders have a very good coach. This is going to be a lot of fun. I do think the Islanders are probably going to win in six games, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers somehow win the series. I just really wouldn't. And I would be upset. I would be very upset because the Islanders are playing very well. Quick uh, analysis. What do the what do the Islanders have to do tomorrow? Because you have like what's that quote you have yeah, that, or that record? You oh yeah. So yeah, the the so the Flyers. I put uh, these numbers could be a little wrong because I heard it and I'm running with it. Um, the Flyers are like 44 and 19 after a loss. Okay. So, so they don't really lose back to back. Yeah. So if I, if I was a betting, if I was going to bet the game tomorrow, which I which I am, I would probably bet the Flyers, even though I'm just going to take the over. Um, so I can root for both teams because I love the league. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Flyers, I, I would assume – my biggest prediction for game two is whoever scores first wins the game. Hmm. My I really believe that. My analysis for the Flyers, just score goals this time. Yeah, Please, score a goal. Lot. Yeah. Dive. Get more power plays. The, I, I, thought, I, well, I, thought that, uh, I thought the game was very well – refereed yesterday i really did very well officiated um so yeah so that was a breakdown by by two guys let's get into an interview with andy graziano from wfim and then anthony mingione who is a flyers writer for center ice philly and then host of off the post radio all right we're joined by andrew graziano New York Islanders columnist on WFAN radio up there in New York. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Hey, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we, we spoke before this. I'm the resident Flyers fan. Gary obviously is on the Islanders side. Uh, so this is a divided podcast. Would you say there were too many goals by the Islanders last night? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the game was going all to script until uh, – you know, Elaine Vigneault decided to pull his goalie with eight minutes left in a three nothing game, uh, allowing Devin Tays to kind of get a lucky bank shot off the glass there. But, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, the Islanders, I think, played roughly to their MO, right? I mean, the first period, they pretty much dominated the Flyers. They penned them in with their aggressive four check. And Flyers responded well, though. Uh, had a really strong second period, really took it to the Islanders. But when you look at it, they really didn't have too much in the quality department. Right. A lot of stuff the Islanders were still kind of comfortably keeping to the outside, not letting the Flyers penetrate that inner slot. Um, Barlamov was was really good as he's been 
since coming to the bubble. Yeah. Um, and then the third period was just classic Islanders hockey, right? It's not exciting. Mm-hmm. It's rather boring, uh, actually, when you look at it. But uh, under Barry Trotz, that's what wins. You know, Trotz knows what he has to work with, and, and he coaches to those strengths very well. And I think we saw that in the third period. So judging off of Varlamov's career, I mean, this guy's been hot and cold. Do you think Do you think he's going to be able to be rideable all the way through this thing, or do you feel like a cool-off could come for him? You know, I think any time you, you, you get into the NHL playoffs, and we've seen this time and time again, you know, you could ride a hot goaltender all the way through. Um, you kind of look at what, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes did last year when they steamrolled, and we know that very well, right? They yeah. steamrolled us in the second round. Yeah, that was at my bachelor party. Um, that was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you can ride a hot goalie for a while, and – I think what Varlamov has proven is that when he is on, he's, he's, he's on. And what we've been seeing through the round, the victory over Florida, the victory over Washington, which I felt was utter domination by the Islanders, especially mm-hmm. five on five. Uh, the Capitals just had no answer for the Islanders five on five. And through game one of this series, which I, I, I want to caution is far from over. I think any Islanders fan will, will, will tell you that they're really cautious of getting too overconfident uh, Absolutely. In one um, but I, I, I think Varlamov is capable, uh, and I think it's a very good sign how he's played to date. Um, and I think, you know what, any goalie that's coming under Barry Tross's system is going to benefit from said system. And I think we've seen that especially with Varlamov. And he also knows that he might be on a little bit of borrowed time. Um, you know, the Islanders finally got their white whale to come over from Russia. Yeah, thank God. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we can stop hearing about it, right? Oh, that was the um, worst. That was like, so what, I think that Barley four knows. years. It was awful. Yeah, exactly. Of just constant drama. And then, you know, dramas pretty much follow the Islanders wherever they've gone. So it, it's kind of refreshing to see some of the, some things calm down under new ownership in uh, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky. And, but, uh, you know, back to Varlamov, I think that, you know, again, he knows this might be his shot, you know, before Sorokin mm-hmm. kind of takes the reins. So um, a motivated goalie in a great system playing really, really well is a dangerous thing for opponents, I think. I want to touch on the um, the Capitals point you made where the Islanders kind of came in and, for lack of a better word, did dominate them through five games, the gentleman's sweep. Um, how much do you think the Capitals are kicking themselves in the ass knowing that they could have had Barry Trotz? You know, they win a Stanley Cup with a guy and you just let him walk over money. Like, do you think that they're absolutely kicking themselves in the ass on that one? Yeah. You know, there's some contradicting stories out there, whether it was due to money, whether it was due to term. I I think either way you look at it, um, you know, they were grooming Reardon for a while under Trotz. And I think they kind of felt that if they signed Trotz and gave him what he was looking for, that Reardon would walk. And Mm -hmm. that was something that at the time scared the Capitals. So they decided to instead let Trotz walk, a guy who just won them a Stanley Cup. Not only that, but walked to a Metro Division rival, which, again, is, is almost unheard of. But well, it was at like the end the of the day, storm. it's, you know, the Capitals' losses. Exactly. And I think, it, you know, the Capitals' loss is the Islanders' game. Um, I'm not sure I put a lot of what happened in Washington on Reardon, to be honest. It just didn't look like, to me, that they had the same level of motivation when they came to the bubble. Um, you know, I kind of looked at kind of the body language and, uh, of, you know, the only player I really saw going in that series was TJ Oshie, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Oshie was a problem that Alex Ovechkin. Very frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, Alex Ovechkin is going to do what Alex Ovechkin does, but 
Um, the injury to Backstrom obviously hurt. That unfortunate collision with Anders Lee in the mm-hmm. first game, that obviously hurt them. But they really didn't have too much going after that. And I think the Islanders found it kind of easy, honestly, to kind of just keep Ovechkin to the outside, taking non-dangerous shots from the point or the boards, um, and, and not really having to worry too much about the inner, you know, the inner slot area. Um, and of course, it feels but, good. Just so I'm not sure I put all happens. of that on your. And I, I've I've kind of never been a big, yeah, I've kind of never been a big blame the coach guy anyway. But you know, the players have to go out and perform at the end of the day. They got to earn their paychecks. We're gonna get it back to this series. Um, I think the stat is the Flyers, after losing a game, are 44 and 19 this year, or something like that. Um, I would expect that the Flyers would come out on fire. I mean, Lavigno called out Couturier and a couple other of the veterans for saying they didn't have a good game. What would you expect the Flyers to come out and look like to kind of counter that Islanders methodical, keep them outside, get the opportunistic goals and play good defense? Because I think the Flyers were the hottest team in the NHL coming into the bubble. They continued to stay hot, but the the Islanders have now caught fire. And now I think you have actively the two – the two teams that are probably clicking the most in the bubble playing each other. Yeah. You know, I think that Barry Trotz probably shares your thinking because Barry Trotz today on the zoom call um, I the saw this came out told us that, um, that the Island, he, he didn't feel the Islanders played all that well in a four, nothing game, one win. Um, yeah, it's not, that's not I think good that's for Barry, us. That's yeah. That's Barry kind of keeping his foot on the Islanders necks and saying, Hey, you know, you guys can't get complacent. You guys can't let up on this team because I think he feels the same way you do, and that's the Flyers are going to come out in game two tomorrow afternoon with an effort reminiscent of their second period last night. And yes. I think that's true. I think the Flyers – look, the Flyers are a good hockey team. They're not they, – they didn't accumulate their wins this year by accident. Um, adding Kevin Hayes was huge for them. Travis Konechny had a great season. You still have very talented players in Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jacob Voracek. Carter Hart's been standing on his head. Last night, the save he made on Nelson just had me scratching my head. Oh, I was like, yeah. it's be a long series, isn't it? Um, it could have been 7 nothing yesterday. So I think that, it would have better than I. Exactly. Exactly. And I would expect them to come out. I would expect tomorrow's game two, the first period especially, to look like some of the Islander capital games where the Islanders kind of rope-a-doped Washington early. They kind of withstood a lot of pressure in the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and then once they withstood that pressure, they were able to then get their counterattack working. They were able to get mm-hmm. their neutral zone trap working, and that's really what turned the game in their favor. I, I, I kind of get the impression that we're going to see a similar pattern uh, tomorrow afternoon. So I think you're doing something that a lot of us Philly fans do, is <laughs> trying to counter jinx the Islanders. You seem like a tortured Islanders <laughs> fan, and I believe that we, as a, as a fan base, are tortured Flyers fans as well. Well, to jump um, in, the Flyers, I mean, the Islanders yeah. are one of those teams that have just, like, they've, they're, they've been better off since the, you know, Tavares left. They've been better. And now we're all, like, it almost is like we've been waiting for this group to go forward. And Islanders fans are just kind of always cautiously optimistic because it's always like there's something's yeah. going to happen. The Islanders are going to, it's like being a Met fan. Like, something's going to happen and everyone's going to laugh at us. Here's the thing with John Tavares, right? I think that the Islanders, when John <laughs> Tavares left, were forced to become more of a team. Yes. That's at the end of the day, Barry Trotz had to, had to look at every single one of them and say, look, he's gone. There's not a damn thing anybody could do about it. It, it ain't going to do us any good to cry about it. So let's just work as a team. We'll work with what we have and we'll become better collectively. And I think that's kind of what you saw. You know, my biggest criticism in 
covering this team for seven years ha- has always been as great of a player as John Tavares was. And this is the last, hopefully I'll have to say about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as great of a player and as a talented as a player as he was, I just never felt he was the kind of captain that the Islanders needed. I'm not saying that that made him a bad captain or a good captain. He just, I don't think was the captain the team needed at the time. He wasn't firing the locker room. He didn't really, you know, get the players riled up. And I felt that's what they needed at times, a good kick in the pants. And I don't think he was the guy to do it. Um, yeah, he was a much more lead by example guy, right? In that respect. Exactly, exactly. Um, very measured in his comments. Wouldn't really say much to us when we you know, spoke to him afterwards. Um, and, and that just struck me as, again, not being a good or bad leader, just not being a leader that the Islanders needed. Um, as far as me being a tortured fan, Kyle, it's funny you say that because I talk about this a lot. You know, when I got into media and I started writing for the Islanders, I started covering the team um, on a regular basis. I, I kind of, you, you, you're kind of forced to lose some of that fandom. It takes it out of you because you have to be so objective and you got to be so straight lined and you kind of, it's, you know, you don't really want to write on emotion. You want to write objectively and you want to be fair to all parties. Um, so now um, I'm, I'm trying to find a little bit of that back. <laughs> they're in the playoffs <laughs> and they're in the bubble where I'm not, you know, I'm not attending games regularly, obviously because of the coronavirus and um, you know, even, even anybody who's in the bubble is not allowed at the locker room anymore. Anyway, it's all, everything's being done via zoom now because they don't even want anybody coming close to the players, but and look, the NHL's done a great job with that. There's a reason why through these first, in, into the second round, there's been, well, third round, if you really want to get technical, there's been zero cases. There's a reason for that because mm-hmm. they, they had a plan going in. They stuck to that plan. They've executed it very well, and it's worked. I, I have my doubts over whether the NFL can pull off the same thing, using the NHL yeah. as an example, but we'll see. So getting into, uh, I want you to explain to Kyle, because I've said a thousand times the Islanders had the best fourth line in hockey, can you explain to Kyle and why the fourth line is such a, a key component of the Islanders' success? You know, I, I think the fourth line with Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and Martin, they, they're, they're, they're all Barry Trotz guys. You know, they're lunch pail guys. Mm. They come in and they do – there's a reason why Barry Trotz loves to start games with that line because they set a tone. Not only physically, but they get right in your craw. They forecheck aggressively. They can actually create chances here and there. Um, but, you know, I think they're exactly what Barry Trotz dials up every single night. And they give Barry Trotz nothing but 150% effort on every single ship. You know, when I spoke to Casey Sezikis last year about the success of that line and how the Islanders weren't as good when, let's say, Cal Clutterbuck was out of the lineup and then Sezikis missed time with the thigh cut, um, he simply had a very simple response for me. And he's like, you know what? We just have so much fun playing with each other. We just really enjoy each other as line mates. We really enjoy playing with each other, and we go out there and we have fun. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, you look at what's written on Anthony, Anthony Bovillier's stick, and that's two simple words, have fun. And I think that if, if maybe some mm. pros would maybe get back to that simple philosophy, um, they might find more success in, in some ways because sometimes, you know, it's like the old adage, keep it simple, stupid, right? It's like – just, you know, and go back to when you were a kid and you played the game just to have fun. I, I, I don't – I think that that's a very important message that that line brings. I don't like that green guy. He looks like he should be having a, a beer in a dive bar, and instead he's out <laughs> slapping slapping freaking shots past Carter Hart, who's the hottest goalie in, in, in the country right now. What's that guy's That Andy Green Andy goal Green. last night was a little bit cheap. <laughs> 
I don't know about – I mean, look, Andy Green has been a revelation for this team, right, because Johnny Boychuk went out with a suspected concussion early in the Florida series on a hit by Mike Matheson. And Andy mm-hmm. Green has stepped right in like he never missed a game. He, he always keeps himself prepared. He's the pro's pro. Everyone in New Jersey absolutely loved him, from players to management to media. Um, the only reason he's here is because Lou Lamarillo literally – just put a target on his back and said, I'm going to get this man no matter what. Um, and he's come in and done a terrific job. If you look at the subtle play that he made last night in the second period on a, on a flyers down low two on one, he just simply kicked his back foot out yep. uh, to prevent what looked to be like it was going to be a short goal yeah. and possible game turner. Um, it's yeah. I should simple honestly stuff say he's like the that. second best player on the ice last night. Yeah. And, there, and you know what? There's no shame in saying the that. second That's best player. Yeah. yeah, he's been having a terrific run since he came in for Boychuk, and it's going to be very hard. If the Islanders keep winning, it's going to be very hard for Johnny Boychuk to draw back in. I'm telling you right now. And you're looking at Johnny Boychuk, a guy who has a ring. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I got one question left, and then I have we have to get your prediction for the series. My, my last question is, have you met Kevin Conley? And if you have, <laughs> can you give him my resume? <laughs> I have not met Kevin in person. We've talked a lot. Um, Kevin and I actually share a lot in common in terms of our rooting interests and how we became fans of those teams. We especially share a common interest uh, in the Miami Dolphins, which is the weirdest thing. Um, and we kind of both became Dolphin fans because just to kind of piss our fathers off, which was kind of funny. So we kind of laugh about that every now and then. Um, I do see him, and I'm hoping to see him next season um, if they allow us back in the building. Um, I will drop that off for you, though. Just forward Perfect. it my way. Make sure it gets <laughs> Perfect. I just want to play Turtle in Entourage, too. That's all. <laughs> the, the reboot. All right, Andy, let's go and get it. What do you think? Do you think um, – yeah, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be in the reboot. I, I'm already I – I can be a Turtle. I know I can. Um, let's go ahead and get it. Who wins the series? How many games? And do the Islanders win the Stanley Cup? Go. I had said before the series started that I felt that the Islanders would win the series in six. I, I don't believe, again, people saying that the Islanders are going to rickroll them in four or five. That, that's kind of a stretch for me, no given sure. how good the Flyers are and how good they've been playing. Um, so I'm going to go – I'm going to stick to that, and I'm going to stick to my Islanders in six prediction, which I made before the series. I just missed out on game one. I said it was going to be three one Islanders. It ended up being four nothing. So I just missed out on my game one prediction. But – uh do they win the Stanley Cup? You know what? If you followed my tweets, I am deathly, deathly afraid of Boston. I, I just, I yeah. don't think <laughs> yeah, they're going match tell. up the Islanders. I am, no, they're not. I wanted to avoid round one. We did. I wanted to avoid in round two. We did. I don't think we're going to be so lucky if we get to round three because <laughs> I think they're going to be there waiting. Um, and that, and that's not to write Tampa off by any means, but. I just really believe that they're they're that good top to bottom. I don't think they really miss much with going from Tuka Rask to Yarrow Halak, although there would be some familiarity there on the Islanders' side in facing Halak, which would be fun. Um, but so I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say this is not they're they're not quite Stanley Cup champions just yet, but I do see them getting past the Flyers in six games. All right. Well, then when they do win the Cup, beers are on you, not on me this time. Then. Because I got exactly. him going, no, all, I got him going all the way. All right, since you guys had <laughs> two more Flyers and seven for me, a totally unbiased <laughs> pick. All um, right, all right, there you go. How awesome is it covering a team you grew up loving? 
I think that's just in going to the games all the time for free. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting story. You know, this all started for me just simply, I've always loved to write. So I just, I started my own blog about the Islanders. I said, you know what, if I like to write so much, let me write about the team that I grew up rooting for and, and grew up, you know, I, I was lucky enough at my age to see the four Stanley Cups, the five straight trips to the finals. Um, and then from there, I just, I started my own site. I applied for credentials at the time I got lucky and ended up, you know, getting a meeting with Islanders PR and showing off my site and they gave me credentials. And from there I ended up uh, coming full circle and, and kind of, you know, running your own sites, it's not easy. You know, you have to monitor the servers and you have to make sure they stay in. If they go down, you got to work on hosting. And so I kind of just wanted to go back to just pure writing. And mm -hmm. uh, that's when there was fortunately an opening at WFAN. And as the old adage goes, sometimes it's who, you know, and uh, I was able to get in and, and, write for a very reputable sports outlet here in New York and it's been it's been quite the ride it's been fun but as I said before the fandom part is the part I miss a little bit I'm yeah. not gonna lie well, we can bring somewhat here's my quick uh, business pitch since you're saying hey you know you're not on the radio yet obviously the next step for you is starting your own Islanders podcast <laughs> I'll gladly be your co-host, and we'll bring the fandom back and what's Kyle gonna do then go host by himself oh no I'll, I'll just have two I'll just both. have two podcasts and then what I'll, then what I'll do go. is I'll just All make fun right. of Kyle. And then I'll just, I'll, then eventually I'll drop him and just hang out with you. <laughs> there you go. Just getting right. pushed hey, out on my own inter out, on their interview. Yeah. Andy, that was, hey, I just ordered the deal Kyle out of his own podcast. So, <laughs> Andy, that was a ton of fun. Thanks for coming on. Um, and we should all be following you. And if I was more prepared, it's at, oh, man. And at Ingress underscore WFAN. Islanders and six. Thanks very much, guys. Had fun. Had fun being on. Thanks so much. All right, we're now joined by Anthony Mingione. You can find him at the Off the Post radio host. Uh, now we'll be on uh, the Full Press NHL at Full Press Radio, Hockey Buzz, all on the Full Press website. So check them out there. Anthony, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. First uh, bandwagon fan. First guy we had on the bandwagon. How's that going for you so far? Not so good after last night's game, but. Well, you know, you got to kind of, you know, you have to kind of hang with it and uh, we'll see where things go from here. But uh, it was not, uh, I mean, it, they did not look like a uh, prepared team last night. It's not how you want to, it's not how you want to start the series. What was, so I'm relatively new, I'm about three weeks in on hockey. What's the point of mm -hmm. taking a goalie out of the net at eight minutes left to go in the third period? Shake it up. More than anything, I think it's a case where, you know, it, it was certainly raised eyebrows. Uh, mm -hmm. And certainly as I'm watching it going, all right. I mean, it, we're <laughs> seeing, we, we've actually seen teams start to do this more and more, pulling them sooner just to try to, but it, it does, it, does it have a little bit, does it smack a little bit of desperation? Yeah. Does it smack a little bit of, you know, trying to light a fire under the team in the, in the, in that third period? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this isn't like Champions League soccer where you're worried about an aggregate score where if mm -hmm. you give up an empty net goal, it's going to be a big deal. 3 nothing, 4 nothing, it's all going to be the same in the wash anyway. So I think it was just a tactic that Elaine Vigneault used to try to just get something going. At 3 nothing. you know, if, let, let's say you're fortunate. Say you get a break in and you score. Then it's a two-goal game at that point. Um, with seven minutes to go, there's still a possibility. You may put a little bit of doubt into the Islanders there if, if it's a two-goal gap there. And as everybody knows in hockey, the three-goal lead is the worst lead in the sport. 
So you never <laughs> we've seen enough times where teams have blown three nothing leads, but the Islanders are not one of those teams where I, you know, where I would have put good money on them blowing a three nothing lead. When they when when Lee got when that third goal was scored by Lee, I pretty much we kind of my gut was there that that was going to be the dagger, though at least the way things were going in the third period. I've always tried the two goal leads the most dangerous lead in hockey, and then oh, it's become three. It's become I, three now. It's not crazy <laughs> to say that. I just always like uh, my favorite thing was hey, someone goes hey, two goal lead most dangerous lead in hockey, and my response always is next goal is huge. Just yeah. go up three zero, it's two one. I always I always like that exchange. It, you always sound because it also depends on the opponent too. It depends That's on who true. you're playing. But we've seen it happen recently where teams have blown these leads. Good good example would be in the Calgary uh, Dallas series. Mm-hmm. Calgary's yes. up an elimination game three nothing. They look like they're rolling. Milan Lucic takes a dump penalty. The whole thing reminded me of eh, well, when the Flyers played the Penguins him. back in 2012. And a dump penalty, and all of a sudden, Dallas just folds them up. Yeah. So come back, yeah, just, win 7-3. And it was a 7-3. And Dallas has been rolling ever since. They're, two, or they're now 2 nothing on Colorado. Um, and they've used that momentum uh, to their advantage. So – it's a strange thing. Hockey, you know, is what it is. It's, it's, it's a weird sport in that respect that, you know, things can kind of, especially in this circumstance where you don't really have home ice going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's just a very odd, strange thing, especially if games are late. you got multiple games going on, although tired ice is probably not as big a deal with less teams now in the playoffs. But still, you know, the psychology of it now, too, you know, you've, you've got everybody stuck in one. Everybody's kind of, you know, it was one thing you sort of had the adrenaline going at one point. Now it really becomes sort of you're in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You're kind of having to play the same thing. And you're and every day sort of feels like, you know, it doesn't quite feel the same, but it does. You got to get tested. You got to go through these routines. And for some teams, I think it's going to be tough to see teams coming back in series in this one. I think if a team gets down in this one, there may be that cycle. They, they, may, they may just, teams may just become psychologically worn and mm. it's going to be tough. I don't, it's, there's a reason why we didn't see series go the full seven in the first round. I just think some teams are just re- get to a certain point where they may just be tired out and are ready to pack it. So how do we get back into this series? Very simple. The top unit has to really take a bigger bite of things. They had a really rough game last yeah. night, and it wasn't just in the scoring. Um, they had a rough night all around, um, defense, all around game defensively. Might have been one of the worst games I've seen Sean Couturier play since his rookie season. Um, if you're going up against Matt Barzell and you're going to get against, against an Islanders team, that's going to roll, you know, an outstanding center unit with, uh, with Matt Barzell up top. You got Brock Nelson, who's very dangerous. And they added J.G. Pajot. And you saw, obviously, Pajot with the big goal there to make it 2 nothing That opened things up. And, you know, just the cases of Zika's is off. Even their fourth line centers, it can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a loaded team. They're a team that doesn't have necessarily superstars, but they're emerging. And for Philly, they just the top, they need their guys. And, and Vino's thrown down the gauntlet enough times yeah. with these guys already in the playoffs that they need more out of them. It wasn't a good game for Jake last night. He, as good as he was in the last two games of the Montreal series, he was an absolute runaway freight train in those last two games. He wasn't last night. The puck on his stick did not. He did not look comfortable with the puck on his stick, and they, they, you know, they, you know, meshed up lines. The only two forwards that I came out of that game thinking that were that looked okay were was uh, was Travis Konechny. Finally, looked like Travis Konechny last night, albeit with no goal scored. And Kevin Hayes was in it. The other, yeah. the other units, and and I would say, 
you know, despite early difficulties, the fourth line played okay. But at the end of the day, they need to have um, – they have to – Giroux has to get loose here. Yeah, where is he? got to get open offensively. He, he, and, it's, and, again, it's an overall issue more than anything. Yeah, what do you think's going on with Giroux? Like, the guy, he's, you know, he's commonly touted as one of the, you know, upper echelon talents in the NHL. However, it seems like when the playoffs come around, he never really has that signature moment. Why do you think that he hasn't really performed well in the playoffs? And really, I guess since the bubble started, he hasn't really had a great run so far. He hasn't had any go- I mean, he's had moments. Certainly during the Montreal series, he had several pretty good scoring chances in his customary spot on the right circle. I just feel like he gets to the point where I think he's when, when he, he, you know, you hate to use the old cliche of squeezing the stick too hard, but it's the truth. I think in, in Claude's case, he's had good games defensively. Mm-hmm. He's made some really good passes. Uh, several goals that, that, um, that Jake Voracek scored in that Montreal series were the result of just, you know, classic Giroux vision. But I think the fact that he, he knows he hasn't scored in over, I think at this point now it's 22 or 23 playoff games. He hasn't scored a goal. So that's a real concern for, you know, since obviously since then. And it, it, it's a strange thing. I, you don't want to pad, peg things as far back as, you know, Peter LaViolette. And, but you look back at that series back in 2012 when they had that fire wagon series against the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you had obviously Pierre Laviolette tapping him as, the, you know, I think he's the best player in the world. Yeah. You know, that I, I sometimes wonder on occasion whether or not that kind of, you know, weighs on him once he gets into the postseason a little bit. But, I mean, it's been eight – again, it's been eight years. Right. Yeah. And they haven't had a ton of playoff appearances in the last decade. Um, they have made them, but they, they used to, you know, they lose to the Capitals, they lose to the Penguins, they get parked or, you know, in both of those series. And this year, again – you know, even though they won the series, they struggled. There's no question about it. I think defensively they were airtight. Um, when they get a lead, they're tough to deal with. But when they fall behind, they haven't won a game yet here in the playoffs. Closest one, obviously, was game would have been game five, where they, you know, they got up 2-1, but then they fell behind almost immediately. So they have a lot of adversity that they have to deal with now. And, and again, they're playing a, an even better team talent-wise, in the Islanders. Um, and I made my pick as Flyers in seven, but I, I'm telling you, it took me re- literally to the last – probably the last minute or so before I made that call because I'm not, I wasn't 100% comfortable because I saw what the Islanders did to the Capitals. Mm-hmm. They just they – they have the – they came into that game last night ready to go. Philly, I think, expected it to be a lot like the Montreal series where there was going to be a feeling out period. That's and you're also dealing, and I would also add to the fact the effect as well of, you know, you're dealing with a master head coach and, and Barry Trotz. They were fortunate in the last series that, you know, you don't want to ever say, you know, all for health and everything. Obviously for Claude Julian with his heart issue, but listen, if it's Elaine Vigneault versus Kurt Muller, we know who's going to win that series. We're going to who's going to win that battle? The minds there. He's got he's up against a recent Stanley Cup winner in Barry Trotz. And Trotz has got that team playing his system and style. And even though they won four nothing last night, Trotz still wasn't happy with the performance. No, it's so, it's actually it's a, it's fun that you say that because I mean I'm an Islanders fan. I've been an Islanders fan my entire life. I mean, it's, I'm only 28, so I've seen some pretty terrible Islanders hockey teams and some pretty terrible coaches. It 
I think it's it, – and the Flyers fans are living it right now. Getting a really good head coach is such a difference maker in the NHL. I mean, Barry Trotz literally took a team that was a meddling team, just lost their superstar, and turned them into a cup contender. I'm fine saying they're a cup contender. Levin Yo came in right away and said, hey, we can play, and we're going to go right back to the playoffs, and now he has a top contending team. He's Vigneault's been so close, what, twice now with the Rangers and Vancouver? You know how badly he wants it. And I actually think right now this is probably the best coaching matchup you're going to have through the playoffs. I still think I, – I do think it goes long, but, again, I think tomorrow tomorrow afternoon is going to be critical, I think, for Philadelphia's confidence. If, 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 if similar things happen again in game two, like in game one, I could see this series slipping away from Philadelphia rather quickly, especially if it's a co- it becomes a confidence issue of, you know, they did get good looks last night in the Absolutely. second period. They turned yeah. it on, they made adjustments, mm-hmm. and they took it to the Islanders. But the, much like the much like the Flyers did to the to, Mon- to Montreal, you can have all the possession in the world if you can, if you don't get those if you don't close on those opportunities, those possession numbers don't mean anything. And in the end of the day, that was kind of what happened in the second period. They came very close multiple times. Barlamov, I thought, was very impre- was impressive, held his ground, mm-hmm. and then that wave passed, and things kind of stabilized towards the end of the towards the end of the period. And when Philadelphia, and that's what happened. If Philadelphia can't ride that wave offensively, you worry about a crisis of co- of confidence for them when that happens. So Philly's got to take out of, you know, they have to kind of build on and look on what they did in the second period of that game and realize we have, they have to do this from jump. They have to basically come out. They, they were not prepared. And the first period really set the tone. They could have been down 3 nothing easily in that first period. Oh, absolutely. Not for performance. It's interesting so, you say that. I wanted to ask you about that because literally they could have been down 3 nothing. He, he took away at least three goals, especially the Brock Nelson shot. How um, is, is it really kind of lead to your confidence knowing that he's the guy standing in the crease for you guys? I think it's huge. I think it's massive in, in terms of Carter Hart, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they need, you know, he's, they, they've drawn a lot of their confidence and their swagger throughout the second half of the season and carrying it in here because of the confidence that they have in Hart. They feel like they're in every single game that they play, you know, even if they have a low ebb at the, at the start. They knew they were still in it at one nothing, which is the reason why they had the confidence to go hell's bells in the second period, mm-hmm. because then they they felt like again Hart had their back, and he made it. And the thing was, even after their initial wave, Hart makes that stop on Bailey shortly yep. after they put all kinds of pressure. He lets up a goal there. That game could very well get way out of hand at that point. They could have there were multiple points of that game where it could have gotten out of hand where Hart makes the momentum stop. The problem is, is that, again, Philadelphia didn't finish at the end of the day. And it's, it's crazy as an outside observer. I think Kyle and I watched the game together last night. These Kerry Price comparisons are fair right now. I mean, this guy is just always where he needs to be. It just seems like he's just always there. The pads, he, moved, he uses leg pads so well. It just seems like no movement is wasted. I think I said to Kyle last night, like there's, there were so many opportunities for the Flyers to score. I mean, the Islanders to score. And he was just, he was light. You can't say he was lights out. He got four. Well, he got three goals put in on him, but if he didn't play as well as he did, that game gets out of hand a lot faster than it did. It does. Absolutely. Um, and again, they, the other biggest concern I think Philadelphia had in that game as well was that their defense, um, their defense struggled. 
in that game. They Islanders, all three pairs. I I didn't think have a had a great performance last night. Provi, Provorov and Niskin were probably the ones that were the most under control. I thought Sanheim and Myers did not look as good as they did in the Montreal series. They became kind of their number one pair. They were their number one pair really during that series. And Shane Goss's pair, four giveaways. None of his shots were getting in from the point. Would not surprise me to see Shane uh, out of the lineup again tomorrow and Robert Haig drawing back in. They need to have much, you know, they just need structure and air tightness on that defense. I think they gave, you know, kind of gave Gossespierre a reward for his for a really good game, for a really great game in game six against Montreal. But he struggled in this one last night, and I would not be surprised if he, draw, if he draws back out again. And you don't think that Gossespierre playing last night had anything to do with them trying to get the power play going with him on it? I think it was part of it for sure. Um, but, again, you got to play. You also got to play five on five. Yeah, no, you gotta, was... and 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 you cannot. And here's the thing: you have him out there. You tried it. You were hoping it, but he got virtually no. I think maybe one out of his four shots. I guess how many shots he had total? Eight shots attempts. I think he had in the game. I got. I got to check the numbers. Because with me, I think maybe one, maybe two got through. That's not going to do it if you can't even mm-hmm. do it there. And then you're giving away the puck down low. The biggest one was I remember the Sezikis turnover where he's down trying to turn the puck. And Sezikis just pickpockets them and, mm-hmm. and wheels, and that's when you have that chance. So that, to me, again, if, if Shane isn't giving you good defense in addition to what he does in the power play, uh, very little reason for me to keep him out there in place, in place of Hague. At least, that, again, with Hague, I know what I'm getting. True. In terms of what, what solid defensive play, he's going to block shots. Bigger body. And again, he's going to take – exactly, he'll take the body. He'll give you that. Um, and stabilizes, I think, in many ways, all three pairs. Do you think uh, the most expensive scratch in the NHL, JVR, is going to be anything in this in this series? Um, again, the problem for James has been, again, he, he, he's, he just seems limited in terms of, of his utility right now. Um, he's not giving you anything really defensively. Um, and they, you need that, you know, especially if you're playing. I don't like him playing fourth line because it, it implies he has to play harder defense than he hasn't. Um, if he's not finishing in his office, he's not really – you're not getting much else out of him. Mm-hmm. So, as much as I think everybody wants to see JVR back in the lineup and you're paying $7 million for him, if the coach doesn't – again, when he says, I need my big guys to – you know, the guys who've, who've driven the bus to get here, JVR is included there, I think, in many ways, based off of, you know, the, con- the, the, the money that he makes. And you hate to point to that, but – there are certain expectations, and if you're not getting that production, you know, there's other players that they, that they want to probably put in the lineup in place of them. So could, could we see JVR back in to try to see if they can get things going offensively? A power play experiment again, putting it out there. Sure, that we could see that in game two, but they need more from him overall. Generally, do you feel the the type of – the type of wing he is, he's, you know, he's, a, he's not as a fast as feet guy. He kind of sits in front of the net and he kind of puts away the garbage. It's very similar to Anders Lee. Do you feel like in today's hockey, that position's kind of becoming a little bit extinct? Or do you think there's always going to be a, a player that needs to sit in front of the net just to move bodies? I still think you need to have the ability to get a beachhead in front of the net. Someone's willing to physically engage in front. Not your, if you're thinking about a classic power forward, like a John LeClaire type, a Brent right. They have to have more tools in the toolbox than just that ability. Otherwise, 
you know, you look at a guy like Milan Lucic from Calgary, yeah, yeah. pure power forward, and he was certainly productive for Boston in mm-hmm. his years, but ever since then, that style in, in recent years, your power forward, a power forward type needs to have more tools. So JVR in this case, he, 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 when, he when he's moving his feet and, and establishing that beachhead, he, he, he does something. The problem is, is that Teams know his what he's going to do, and it's the playoffs now. They're going to plan and say, make, you know, keep, you, you can track him and keep try to keep him away. And when he loses confidence out there, he becomes a non-entity. It's interesting you say that because, I, I mean, I feel like Anders League brings a little bit more to the table than just being that beachhead. But, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on this power forward thing because I go back to a few years ago when Tavares and Okposo were still Islanders. I mean, Okposo leaves the team, and he's done nothing since. Now he's had a litany of – injury issues, but he was a traditional power forward that just hasn't been able to do anything without elite center play. Right. I mean, they need, you do need to have a center with them in order to kind of unlock what they do. And you're going to, and certainly if you're going to point to JVR and say, well, he needs to have a skilled center with him on the S played with Claude, but again, Claude getting slotted back to center. That's the other thing as well with Claude is the fact that he's bounced around multiple times in this playoff. Right because we're just trying to figure out a way to get him going and just trying to match up center depth wise. But yeah, JVR does benefit from that. But again, you're not going to get that ice time unless you're biting back on the play and say what you will about Anders Lee. Anders Lee will bite back on plays. Right. He'll, he'll bite back defensively on plays, which is why he stays in that, why he continues to stay in that spot. So, and he's, he's bought in. And as the captain of that team, he's bought in, he's bought in completely to, to, to Barry, what Barry's doing, what he wants to do. He also so has the luxury when, of playing with Barzell, which is fantastic for him. He does. He has the luxury of playing with Barzell, and that does help. But he's also in an even higher leadership, and he has this kind of – he believes, again, in this case, it's at the tone. Oh, yeah. The I guess I'm, I'm more or less exploring the idea of that power forward. I'm not in any way trying to disparage Andres Lee. I absolutely love him. I, he's, he's the perfect captain for what he is. But I just think it's interesting to see how JVR is not more or less of a word, a little bit of dinosaur out of his position, just needs to kind of find his way back into it. I, it come, to me, what it comes down to with James Van Riemsdyk is, and he, unfortunately, again, he, we've seen this, you know, going back, obviously, previously in his Flyers tenure, and then obviously even in Toronto. Invariably, he ends up third line. Mm-hmm. He ends up on the left side as a power play weapon. My, you know, my co-host, Mike Algello from, from off the post will say the same thing that, you know, when that contract was signed, he says, well, I hope JVR is going to be a little higher in Philadelphia's lineup because when he was, because his defensive liabilities were noticeable in Toronto, but he was able to score enough on the power play and had enough centered, I guess, enough playmaking depth that you could still get used out of that. But if he's not moving his feet, not playing well, but not biting back on plays defensively, Vino's got no time for it. Before we let you go. What's the chances that uh, Carter Hart's already on the Mount Rushmore of Flyers goalies? You asking for a percentage from what to what? Give me, give me, give me your rating scale. Who's your top four Mount Rushmore goalies of a Flyers history? Oh, uh, the top. You're going to say the top. Okay, so I mean, we go through. I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to end up being one of the four. I mean, you go through it. It's, but it's right, right now. Uh, I mean, you need a deep <laughs> run. It's a, it's you a tough, it's a tough. It's a tough litany you of, deep, uh, of history. You need a yeah. deep playoff. You need a deep playoff run in the Flyers' history. Unfortunately, with goaltenders, I think. Well, Perron and Hextall are on there, right? Perron, Hextall, Lindbergh. <laughs> Brian Lindbergh Boucher. Is amazing, Eddie Lindbergh. Yeah. I put Lindbergh third. Lindbergh's got to be in there. 
Not and Bouchard. Then after that, you get into other Layton. goalies. <laughs> Steve Mason. Ray Emery. Ray Bush. Right, rest in peace. Well, yeah, Bush. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Bush. Keep going. Michael, Michael Neuvers. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, Brian <laughs> Elliott. Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott. Like Els, don't get me wrong. I think he's perfect in the role he's in now, but no. <laughs> What about Sergei Kalmowski? What about oh wait, Antonio Nidimaki? Nitty was good, but again, too short of a term there. He won the MVP no. for Sweden in the playoff in the he, in the, Finland. Oh, yeah, it's true, it's true. Um, but I can't begin we're talking NHL. We're talking all-time NHL right well, now. Well, here's a question say, for you: Could we put Bobrovsky on it for like you know his accomplishments away from the? He would have been. Bob would have <laughs> been, I think. For regular season, had he stayed with the Flyers, sure. Uh, but, you know, they wanted Briz, so that's right, the way that so goes. But I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to at least begin getting the stone chisel out okay. and start chisel. working on the yeah. chin. Well, they're still kind of working on that we'll third go. one still. Yeah, but that's, that tells you the Flyers' history of goaltenders. I'm probably yeah. going to get shot by somebody here. But uh, <laughs> how can you forget this guy? And I'm like, ah. Oh, I know, right? Beezer. Beezer actually had a pretty good – Beezer actually had a pretty decent uh, first season with the Flyers, so I still remember there was the classic coat on the the coat on the rack comment. But he's actually good in that first season. So they couldn't they didn't play well around them. Um, yeah, not Garth Snow. No, <laughs> not Garth Snow. He's not. Don't Those worry, he's not four. on. Garth Snow's definitely to, not on a uh, GM. Oh, you're gonna be an he's definitely not. He's not gonna that. be. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm going to say, yeah, that's my four. I'm going to say for right now, I'm going to put some faith in the young lad and say it's, I'm going to say my, my Mount Rushmore is going to be Bernie, Hexy, Lindbergh, Hart. Yeah, that's wow. it's not, nothing like putting a guy fourth when he's only played a season and a half. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, but you know what? You watch him play. and I'm Oh, like, he's very yeah. good. He's going to be annoying like- for a very long time, at least to me. But you got listen for the Islanders. They got good. Listen, Ilya Sorokin. You got yeah. People you got keep a lot. You got a good the white whale is here. The white whale What's is that? here now. The white we we've been chasing Sorokin for like years. The guy like refused to come over. Finally, he's be, he's here, and hopefully it yeah. works out. The Islanders are also in an interesting offseason. They have to move some money around and get these young guys re-signed. Barzell's going to have to get paid a ton of money too. But I guess my yeah. last question for you is. Uh, are you sticking with your Flyers in seven prediction? Are you changing it? I have Islanders in six. Me and Andy are going to be hand-in-hand hand on that one. But one, I am one, not feeling confident going to uh, game two. I don't feel confident. I, I, I'm, I, there's, it, once, once the pick is out there, you, there is no pulling it back. I love it's it. True. The man of integrity right there. First goal tomorrow is huge. Whoever scores first tomorrow, that's a huge goal. Agreed. Completely agree. Unless it's the Flyers, I, the Islanders will probably still pop four and we'll be fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. You're right. Flyers and five. Um, that was awesome. incredible. <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. Once again, you can follow him at Center Ice Philly um, Magazine off the my, post my, radio. Yep. Go ahead. And my, twi- my Twitter handle is my name, at mm-hmm. Anthony Mingione. No, no, no spaces in between. So. No underscores, yep. no nothing. All right. Yeah. I love that. All nope. business. Yep. Straight up. <laughs> so go follow it's him. What could fit on t- it's what could fit on Twitter. Boom. Yeah. Exactly, right? Awesome. Well, yeah. and thanks so much, man. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Well, Andy, Anthony, thanks for coming on. That's the podcast, and uh, go birds. Go birds. The Wooder Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green. 
executive producer, John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bears.